Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. With climate. We have a tendency to believe that the storm clouds that we face in life are what needs to be dealt with. I need to deal with the thunder. I need to deal with the pain. I need to deal with the affliction. I need to deal with the sickness. And what we do is in turn we fail to deal or address the climate. And so we've been talking to you about the fact that what we need is a climate change. We talk to you from examples from Scripture because what happens is, is if we're not careful, we have a tendency to only address weather. So that when we begin to deal with storm clouds, we will address the weather and rail against the weather and get angry about the weather. And we will do what we have to do to fix the weather. The dilemma comes is that when you deal with weather, you may get a short break, a season of rest, a season of peace, a season of comfort. But if you are unwilling to address the climate of your life, the storms will eventually roll back in. And so I begin to talk to you about three instances in the life of Jesus. I'm not going to try to re-preach all of it, but I do need to give you some backdrop. I, I talked to you about the fact that Jesus, when he dealt with Jairus' daughter, when he walks into the room and all the mourners are celebrating her death, Jesus understood that climate change must first be be found in climate control and so i said to you that in order for you to have it to have a change in your climate which then would it would also change your weather you must first control your climate you must dismiss people out of your life there are people in your life that are pulling you into sin there are people in your life that keep you bound there are people in your life that keep you sick and if you are ever going to have climate change you must control your climate and dismiss people that are keep you from changing Changing in climate. I talked to you about the woman that Jesus uh, had an encounter with. She had been caught in the act of adultery. And we fixate on the grace and the mercy that Jesus did. And he always does. And we fail to recognize the last statement he makes to her addresses her climate. Because after dealing with the weather, he goes further and deals with the climate. And said, woman, go and sin no more. He recognized that if the woman didn't quit sinning, she would end up bound in destruction in sin again and she would make another mistake and she would find herself in trouble climate i dealt with you from the account where jesus is on the boat asleep and the waves are about to capsize the boat and the disciples cry out to jesus and say deal with our weather deal with the waves they're about to capsize our boat but jesus understood that waves are dependent upon wind it's a climate issue and jesus stands up and speaks to the wind he doesn't just speak to the wave he speaks first to the wind because he knows if i deal with the wind the waves will stop as well and i said to you that you've got to have somebody in your life that has the authority and the, and the insight not only only to identify your waves but to identify what's causing the waves of your life and you've got to give them permission to step in and say hey you got to stop that you got to quit that and you say yes sir yes ma'am and you stop and the waves stop because you dealt with the wind climate change changes weather i'm on something here 
I know I'm on something here because the devil's been fighting it like crazy. I, 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 I can't help myself. Everywhere I go, I, I see the need for climate issues to be dealt with. I, I even had to revisit the, the story in, in Luke. I was just riding in my car, and it came back to my attention. I preached a whole series called The Porch five weeks long on the story of the prodigal son. But you go back and read that story in the light of climate. What changed in the young son's situation? Nothing. He still, even when he goes to his father and says, I want my half. I want my, 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 my inheritance. Uh, he, he has the same access he's always had to the same provision that he's become comfortable in. He walks out of the father's life and he still has the same resources, the same last name, the same status. And yet his life spirals out of control and he finds himself in a pig pen. Why? climate the only thing that changed in the entire account was climate then we see that he comes to himself and he fixes the situation he doesn't fix it by going out and getting a new job and getting more money he doesn't fix it by going out and getting new friends the only thing he adjusts is one thing he adjusts climate he returns to the climate that provided protection and his life is changed. I'm telling you this morning that if you don't like the weather of your life, if you don't like the storms that keep rolling in, if you don't like the pain that you keep enduring, if you're not happy with the brokenness that you continue to deal with, if you're not satisfied with the lack of self-esteem, don't just deal with the weather, deal with climate. So last week, or the week before, I began to shift gears because I believe that now where we are as a body is that we are now tasks, tasked with, if we recognize the need for a climate change, then it is our responsibility to begin to outline and articulate what a kingdom climate really is. Y'all have missed it. Y'all think I'm talking about church. And I am. But I'm not just talking about church. I'm talking about our individual lives because our church is made up of individuals that come together corporately. And so we begin to list and talk about what that climate would look like. And again, may I say to you, don't complain about the weather that the climate you refuse to change produces. And so we begin to talk about the account in Romans chapter 12 where we're so familiar with Paul's writings there that we stop. Because what we do is we, we tend to land in Romans chapter 12 verse 1 and 2. And I'm going to read that to you because in verses 1 and 2 he talks about how you change your climate. You change your climate by changing how you think. And he says this. I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. So we recognize that in order for me to have climate change and to begin to establish kingdom climate, i got to begin to think like God thinks. All right, so we get that. But then what we did is we begin to dig into the part of Romans 12 that we never deal with because we always get stuck in 1 and 2. We went to Romans chapter 12, verse 4 through 8. And what we discovered is, is that Paul then now begins to list, to list for us. There are 17. We only got to 2 the first week. He begins to list to us the characteristics of what the kingdom climate would be in our individual lives and in the body of Christ. 
you'll remember that what he says first is that kingdom climate dictates that you are connected. In other words, what Paul was saying was, look, you can't do this on your own. We've got to be tied together. Nobody in here is strong enough to make it all by themselves. Nobody in here is a lone ranger. Nobody in here is an island. We must be connected to one another. We're family. We're many members, but we're only one body. And then he said the second one was that we serve because what Paul recognized was that the litmus test of how connected you are is revealed by whether or not you serve because you're not really connected if you don't show up as a, as rather than as a consumer, you show up as a co-laborer. And I work to help you find your blessing. Okay. See, Paul understood that if you're not connected and you're not serving, there's no protection. So let's move forward. I, I just need to reveal to you this morning and be honest with you this morning that if you struggle with connection and service, it's not going to get any easier. I think that's the pushback I feel. I think, I think that what I, I sense going on in, in, this morning as we've been together, I felt it strongly in first service, and I feel it strongly again, is that the truth is, is that many of you have so accepted the norm of what Christianity has been even though it's so perverted and so far off from what it was supposed to be, that now when we begin to come against the climate that we've accepted and we begin to try to actually establish kingdom climate, what I sense happening in us is there's doubt that this can even happen. And there's doubt about whether we'll even be able to pull this off. But I am telling you that although it is painful and although it is difficult and although it will cause heartache, and although it will cause us to have to come against some religious spirits and what we've accepted, and we will have to shake off apathy, and we'll have to demand something different, I am telling you it's worth the effort. So let's move forward. Romans chapter 12, we're going to land in verses 9 and 10. And as I promised you, I'm going to back up to verse 3. Romans chapter 12, verse 9 and 10. I'm going to read it to you out of two versions. Listen clearly. More characteristics of kingdom climate. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Different version. Listen carefully. Love from the center of who you are. Don't Fake it. Run for dear life from evil. Hold on for dear life to good. Be good friends who love deeply. Practice playing second fiddle. Verse 3. Verse 3. For by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. But rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. Kingdom climate. Kingdom climate dictates that we are connected, number one, serving, number two, and number three, it dictates that we have sincere love. Let's see if I can help you this morning. According to folk history, the English word sincere comes from two Latin words, the first being sin, S-I-N-E, which means without, and sera, which means wax. In the ancient world, this 
word came to pass because what would take place is dishonest merchants would use wax to hide defects such as cracks in their pottery so that they could sell the merchandise for more than it was worth. Hang, stay with me now. More reputable merchants then would recognize that this deception was going on and they would hang a sign above their pottery that said sincera without wax stating then that I am informing you as my customer that my merchandise is genuine. In other words, these are not folks that are trying to present cheap or fake in place of the real thing. What does that mean? Let me state it like this. How many of you would agree that we don't mind visiting a wax museum, but we do not want to attend church in one? Okay. May I say to you this morning that pain with great pain and with great heartache and un- wishing I didn't have to do this, but uh, may I submit to you this morning that, 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 that the concept of having sincere love, love without wax, it, it flies in the face of the practice and the climate of modern-day church and modern-day Christianity where there is a lot of... L- talk about love, but little to no genuine practice of love. I didn't get an amen this morning either. I'm not expecting you to be happy about that diagnosis, but it's true. There's a lot of talk about love, but very little love. That can be seen by the fact that we hold on to grudges when we're told not to. Okay, that is revealed by the fact that we participate in gossip disguised as prayer requests. That is revealed by the fact that we make accusations rather than operate in grace. That is revealed in the fact that we continue with attitudes that so fly in the face of anything Jesus would have ever put up with and we call it okay and we call it normal and that's just the way I am. We see it revealed in the lack of care. I would submit to you this morning that there are a lot of waxy believers. Fake love. Spoken love. but no seen, actual, genuine, without wax, love. So am I supposed to believe that you actually love me because you tell me once a week on a Sunday morning because we have adopted the practice that that is what I'm supposed to do as a born-again, blood-bought believer, that what I need to do is I need to articulate to you once a week on a Sunday morning in the flow of worship, I love you. And I'm supposed to believe that you actually, without wax, love me because you tell me once a week. May I ask you to prove it instead? 
else can call us to the to the a new level, a climate, a, a kingdom climate where we actually demonstrate real love all week, where in every situation we defend one another even when I'm not around. I'm calling you to, to a different climate where when, when you're the person you're sitting across the, the aisle from, the, the person that you're sitting two rows back, when they're not in your presence and somebody else in the body or outside the body makes an accusation against them, you'll man up or woman up and say, hey, you can't talk about my brother and my sister like that. If you've got a problem with them, go to them personally. I won't even entertain this discussion. I will defend them even when they're not in. That's real love. Here's another one. I'll know real love, sincere love, without wax love, when, when you give me the same grace that was extended to you. Isn't it interesting that we don't have much grace with everybody else's sins, even when it was the same sin we were... Okay, okay. Uh, uh, give me grace when, I, when I'm obviously and even intentionally wrong, and when I'm out of order offer me and extend to me grace no I don't deserve it but sincere love kingdom climate demands that I love you so much I'll give you grace call my name out in prayer you calling my name out on the cell phone call my name out in prayer check on me love is sincere when it is active Jesus made this statement not some fictional writer, not somebody that was talking about Christianity or the church. Jesus, the author, the finisher of our faith, the one that set it all into motion, he himself said that we as disciples would be known by our Christian t-shirts. No, he didn't. He said we would be known by our love. He says that our love would be our identifier. It would be our brand. It would be our mark. And so therefore what happens is when we put an inferior product out there and we say that it's real and it's not real, it reflects badly on the producer, the manufacturer. Waxy love makes us unidentifiable and undesirable. And if we don't have sincere love, let me tell you what happens. We come off as fake. Fake. We are a cheap substitute. And I just need to inform you, you probably already know this, but people can find cheap substitutes in other places. They can find it at the club. They can find it in their civic organizations. They, they, tell, they tell each other in those environments they love each other too. Let me see if I can help you this morning. I, uh, <clears throat> I'm very naive, I guess. I, but I, I'm not very aware of any club in Oklahoma City where if you attend that club on a regular basis, and let's say you develop a first-name basis with the bartender, I, I'm not aware of any club in Oklahoma City where if you miss like two Friday nights in a row, the, the bartender picks up his phone and checks on you. And we don't get mad about that. It's just a club. But when you come to church and you miss two weeks and nobody checks on you, 
we get angry. Why? Because the standards here are supposed to be different. They ought to get angry. They ought to be hurt. You ought to get over it, but you ought to get hurt. I mean, you ought to be hurt. Because the standards here are higher, that I actually do love you more than just words that I recognize when you're not here. I recognize when you're in pain. Well, that went over huge. We're supposed to have the real thing. Real love is the basis and the foundation of the other climate commands that Paul is going to give us. And without sincere love, we have no ability to establish the rest of these. Real, genuine love. Not just in word, in deed. Four. Connected, service, sincere love. Four. We are to run away from evil and hang on to good. That is a kingdom characteristic. Now, let me stop right here and say this is about climate. Listen carefully. I'm going to try to do my best not to confuse you. I want you to understand that you can't make any mistake about it. Paul is addressing and definitely dealing with us protecting our witness and our testimony. You cannot escape the fact that what Paul is saying is, listen, you're carrying Jesus' name, therefore you cannot act the way you used to act, and you cannot dwell on what you used to dwell on, and you cannot watch what you used to watch, and you cannot listen to what you used to listen to. We must be careful not to dwell on, watch, listen to, spend our money, spend our time on things that will affect the climate of our life. Yes, he's dealing with that. But may I interject? I don't think I'm doing any damage to the text because here is Paul writing about the climate of how we address each other and right in the middle of it he says run away from evil and cling to what is good may I submit to you this morning that I believe that what Paul is doing is that he is teaching us how to handle each other's mess If you don't believe that we have a problem with that in today's Christianity and in the church world, then why is it when someone in the body is elevated and when somebody in the body has a great celebration day, maybe they get a huge promotion at work, maybe a lifelong dream has come to pass, maybe they've accomplished something they've always wanted to accomplish, why is it when that happens you hear nothing about it? but let one of our young ladies get pregnant by her boyfriend or let one of our body members do something they shouldn't have done and get caught and Facebook blows stinking up and Twitter feeds blow up and if we want to disguise it and be a little bit more holy than that, what we do is we huddle off in the corner and we whisper. Because I would submit to you that the climate that we have become comfortable in and called it Christianity is that we love evil more than we love good. Okay. I I, I knew it was going to be tough this morning. Paul says that when we are dealing with each other, we should hang on to what is good. Listen, I, I just need to be honest with you. You can be honest with me. I'm kind of blunt anyway, so just get, you know, get used to it. Here it is. There are a lot of things about you that I don't like. Now, I recognize that comes back to me, too. There are some things about me you don't like. So 
See, Quinn's honest. The rest of you just didn't have the guts to say amen. But when it comes down to kingdom climate, what this means then is that if I am determined to have a climate change, I must make a conscious decision to focus my attention and hang on to and believe what is good about you. So what are you saying, Pastor? What I'm saying is this. It does not mean that I don't see or that I ignore what is bad about you. What it simply means is that I will not fixate on that and I will love good and hang on to it for dear life and give you the benefit of the doubt and run from evil. It means that I will look to your good as I try to help you overcome the bad. We're laying some groundwork here that you just need to be aware of. I I think you know this about this body, but I'm just needing to to tell you, we operate by biblical principles. So when I talk about this climate, let me assure you that that does not mean that we are afraid to address or confront or challenge you on the bad in your life and to correct the evil or to call sin, sin. We will never shy away from calling sin, sin. Because we have kingdom climate. And we love you too much to let you march into destruction and say nothing. It does not mean that if you continue to operate in sin when you have been confronted and you refuse to repent and you you operate in defiance and in an open rebellion, it doesn't, just because we love good does not mean we won't cut off fellowship with you based on what the Word says. The Word says that if you have a brother that you go to and they refuse to repent, there comes a time that you turn people over. We'll do that. But listen, we love you so much that if I have a choice in the matter, I will fixate on your good until you prove otherwise. I will believe the best about you. Too many of us believe the worst first. We're too suspicious. I abhor and I attest or detest what is evil, but about you, I believe what is good and I will cling to and I will even do this. I will call out of you the good that's in you. You may not be living like you should be living right now and I will address that and I will confront that, but on the other hand, I will reach out and I will call what's good out of you and say, come on baby, you're better than this. I believe in you when nobody else will believe in you. I, 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 I know you. There's better than you. That's love and good. Paul says that one of the kingdom climate characteristics is that we must be loyal. Oh, God, help us. If there's ever something that's missing out of our climate today, it's loyalty. Loyalty is a a lost quality. It sounds like a foreign word. It's a foreign concept. 
we have taken to thine own self be true as a way of living and operating in relationships. Loyalty is a demand. It is a, it is a characteristic of kingdom climate. Loyalty means that we are committed to each other through thick or thin. It means we're committed to each other in good or bad. It means we're committed to one another whether it's convenient or inconvenient. Whether you're on the mountaintop or on the valley, it means I'm not just around you when I need something from you and I'm not just committed to you when you can do something good for me. I am loyal to you. You can't get rid of me. It means I'm here for the long haul. It means conflict and feelings, arguments are not going to cause me to turn on you and walk away from you. Why? Because you're not just another relationship. You're part of me. That's who you are. You are you're not just an I have relationships outside of this body. I have relationships in the community. And if people get on my nerves, I might not be loyal to them out there. But in here, in the body, we're not just another relationship. We are members of the same body, and I cannot do without you any more than my physical body can operate effectively without my nose. If you want to find out how loyal I am to my nose, meet me in the parking lot after service and hit me in my nose. You will discover I am very, very, very loyal to my nose, and another part of my body is going to have to indicate just how loyal I am. And Paul is saying that when it comes to kingdom climate, we should be like that about one another. I'm loyal to you. You are essential for me. We need to be loyal like Jonathan was loyal to David. He chose David. Wasn't flesh and blood. He chose David over his own family. Go read the story. Do you realize that when Jonathan looked at David and said, God has appointed you and anointed you as the next king, he was in fact saying, I am so loyal to you that what it dictates is now I have to give up my right as the heir to the throne. Some of y'all won't give up your chair, much less a throne. It means I'll fight for you. Treat me wrong, I'm not going anywhere. Talk bad about me, I'm glue, baby. I'm stuck to you. I ain't leaving. Hurt me, no matter. We walk away too easily and too quickly. There are people in body life that there will come a time when we have to turn them over and we have to walk away and have no association with them because they're totally unrepentant. But we do not have that option just because somebody gets on my last nerve. Some of y'all don't even know what I'm talking about. Listen, I was in a church, I served in a church where people, it wasn't kingdom climate, they would literally go out of their way not to have to talk to one another. We had this hall that had two entrances into the sanctuary, and I watched it. I watched it take place. They would be walking down the hall towards one another, needing to go out that way, but they would detour through the sanctuary come around to the other door so that they could not have to talk to each other in the hallway. 
no loyalty. Our lack of loyalty causes us to walk away from relationships that we desperately need. I'll get out of your way. Six, connected, serving, sincere love, loving good, loyal. Six, honor. In verse 3, Paul lays a foundation for the climate of honor. He declares that there is no way you can establish a climate of honor if you're only or overly concerned with yourself. Paul says that we shouldn't think of ourselves more highly than we ought. Why? Because he knew that if we think too highly of ourselves, we would never be able to honor someone above ourselves and we would never be willing to play second fiddle. We would never be able to come to the place where we would not only applaud, but assist someone else to exceed when it means I don't. And Paul is adamant that we must establish a culture of honor because he knew this. If you've missed everything else I've said today, I need you to hear this. I recognize in church world that we jack this all up and we pervert this so that preachers can walk in with maids and, and butlers and they sit down and they don't worship and people come and ask them, what would you like to drink? And, and we pervert it so that preachers stand up and can't even put their own coat on. And I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the fact that Paul says that there's a kingdom climate where we honor one another because God's blessings are found and commanded in a place of honor. Let me see if I can help you. You go back to the Old Testament, read all the way forward, and what you discover is that God blesses honor. That's why it's commanded. Okay, some of y'all aren't going to like some of these. Children, honor your parents. Wife, honor your husband. Employee, honor your boss. Honor those who labor among you. We've made it about position and it has absolutely nothing to do with position. It is about life source. God commands us to honor anything that is a life source. Children, your parents are a life source to you. If you don't believe that, why do you think he said you ought to honor them? Because if you honor them, you can live a long life. He understood if you don't honor them, chances are you're going to die. That was a great place for an amen, parents. He understood that there is a, in a climate of honor where a wife honors her husband and the husband honors the wife, there's life source there. He understood that for an employee and employer, if you honor, it brings blessing there. In church, if you honor those who labor among you, it produces blessing there. It's all about a life source. Now, here it is. We are to honor one another because you produce life. In me. That means that although I could do that solo better than you could, and I can. Y'all just don't know. I just I just don't let y'all in on the fact. I can do the solo better than you can do. I will choose to honor you to let you do it, even though I could do it better, because I recognize as I honor you, blessings come. 
That means when I pull into the parking lot and there are two parking spaces right out here, in the, one in the front and one out in Timbuktu, and you're going to have to walk through gravel and broken concrete and you're going to bust your new heels because you operate in a kingdom climate of honor, you choose the one that's further away because you honor them. That means when somebody asks you to move from the center aisle over because it's easier for latecomers to get in without having to cross over, you don't cop an attitude. You honor. Oh, okay. All right. It means I do my best to help your dream become true, and it means I'm here to make sure you get your blessing. See, there's one version that reads like this. Outdo one another in preferring each other. Man, if you want to compete, if there's any level of competition in the house, and there sometimes is, I I sense it sometimes. There's some competition going on here sometimes. If there's anything you want to compete about, let's change the climate and compete about that. Let's see if we can out-honor one another. I'm talking about from the parking lot all the way to the pulpit, man. This isn't just about the preacher. This comes with an attitude that says everyone is essential and everyone is important. Therefore, I will honor you. Listen, I'll get out of your way, but but, but I need to remind you about the account where David is, is out on the backside of the desert taking care of some sheep. And Samuel gets the word of the Lord that he's to anoint a brand new king. And he's to go to Jesse's house to do it. So he shows up with his oil. And he tries to anoint all the brothers. And yet God says, it's not any of them. And Jesse says, well, I don't have any other sons. And Samuel pushes him until finally he says, well, actually I do. There's a little runt out on the backside of the desert. And, and, and he's probably not the one because he doesn't look like a king. And, and, and he, doesn't, he doesn't appear to be a king. And the, we miss this. And the Bible says that Samuel refused to sit down until they could go and get David and bring him back to the house. Some of us sit down on what God has anointed. And so what happens is the appointed and the the anointed never arrives in our life because we don't practice honor. And the appointed king that God has assigned to your life can't walk into your life if you're sitting down. Your your refusal to honor results in an absence of anointed folks in your life. And and you've got to learn that uh, what pulls God's anointing into your life is honor. Here's the problem. God sends us what we need in packages we don't like. David wasn't packaged like Samuel expected, but he honored him. You cannot allow dishonor to disqualify you from receiving the gift inside of somebody. And some of you are missing anointed people that God is sending you because you dishonor them. Well, they're just a parking lot attendant. Well, they're just a worship team. They really weren't on it today. So... I've heard better. So I ain't going to worship today because y'all stunk. You dishonor the anointing that rested in them. I heard better preaching than this, preacher. You're like better three weeks ago. I'm just going to sit here and play on my iPad and Facebook and tweet. 
kingdom climate dictates honor. You give honor to whom honor is due because it produces life in you. Talk about a climate change. I have some questions I need to ask you. Does the climate I'm describing sound like most church families that you're aware of? Does that climate sound like this church? Does this climate, connected, serving, sincere love, loving good, loyalty, it's going to get harder as we go further, 17 of them, and honor, does that sound like the climate of your life personally? Because we are corporately what you are individually. Y'all miss that. Quit hating on church weather that your personal climate produces. We want to rail against the weather of loneliness and apathy and anger and hurt feelings, but we won't work to establish kingdom climate. So when we get mad, we bail. And when we aren't served, we bail. And when, when, when someone took my spot and got blessed, I get mad and I sulk. And when I didn't get to sing my song with who I wanted to sing it with, then I'm not, I'm leaving. I'm out of here. When I didn't get, I, I, when, when I hear something bad about you, I'll use it as ammo against you to make me feel more important. And then we want to rail against the church weather that is a byproduct of your personal climate. Okay. Can I just tell you where I'm at? And then I promise I'll stop. I made a statement on Friday morning to the pastoral team. And I mean this with my entire being. I am done. Finished. trying to build a church. What I am committed to is establishing kingdom climate. Because if we can establish kingdom climate, and it will not be easy, because it means confronting issues in the climate that are wrong. Like I had to sit down Friday morning at the pastoral team breakfast and look at my pastoral team and said, it's my fault these two elements in this climate are a direct result of what I have allowed. I'm committed to that. It will not be easy. It will be painful. But I can't do this by myself. You have to examine your own individual life and establish these characteristics in your own individual life so that when we come together corporately, the climate changes. Why? This is what I know. If we pull this off, and it's only going to get harder, if we pull this off, our climate will be so different to any other climate around that people will be drawn to it. Why do you think people have a tendency to skip church and go to water parks? I would submit to you it's because the water parks sometimes have more kingdom climate It's, it's, it's a fake. It's a substitute, but that's what the devil does. He always substitutes for the real thing. And they become comfortable with the substitute because when they come where they're supposed to get the real thing, they can't see it. 
if we can produce the real thing, that means you just can't attend anymore. You have a responsibility. I have a responsibility to establish a climate that will produce the weather that we want to see. I also realize this. This is my fear. That preaching alone won't fix this. Because I'm going to switch gears here pretty soon and go to a different series. And if we're not careful, it was just a series. It was a good one, but it was just a series, Steve. What I'm doing right now, whether you recognize it or not, is I am prophetically calling out of us something that is in us, but it's buried by what we've become comfortable with. Our climate should be connected, serving, sincere love, love good, loyal, honoring. So I will end with this. Get used to it. We're going to end this way every week. I'm going to ask you this question. What if everybody was as connected as you? What if everybody served like you serve? What if everybody loved like you love? What if everybody hung on to good like you hang on to good? What if everybody was as loyal as you? What if everybody honored like you honor? We need a climate change. Father, this morning, I'm asking you to challenge us. I'm asking you to cause individuals in this room and under the sound of my voice to rise up and demand a climate change. Father, I'm praying that you would allow us to become more connected than we've ever become. I'm praying that you would allow us to serve like we've never served. And Father, I'm asking you this morning to allow us to operate in sincere love where we will boldly, passionately confront sin. And yet at the same time, we'll believe the best. Father, I'm asking you to help us to hate evil so much that we always give each other the benefit of the doubt and we love what's good about one another and we quit bailing on each other just because we get on each other's nerves. God, I pray that you would make us, make us loyal. I pray that we would be in this together. We're with one another. I pray that we would become more with one another. I pray that we would become for one another. I pray that we would fight for one another. I pray that we would refuse to walk away when walking away would be easier. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would establish a climate of honor in this body. 
And I pray that it would not be perverted or messed up so that it's just about the leader. I pray that instead there would be a climate of honor where we honor all the way from the parking lot to the pulpit. We honor children's workers and youth workers and green room attendants and ushers and greeters and sound techs and projection techs and worship team members. We honor the, 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 the lady that constantly walks through this sanctuary and picks up trash. In fact, we start picking up our own trash because we honor her. Father, I pray that honor would produce a blessing in this climate so that weather would begin to change in individuals' lives. Help us, God. This is hard work. This is painful work. This is back-breaking work. But with your help, we know that this is what you intended. This is what you desired. On earth. On earth. A reality on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.